Hello, and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, we have the pleasure of chatting with Mike Weldon almost immediately after his sub-seven-hour run at the JFK 50-miler. I'll ruin the story for you folks. Mike finished 23rd overall in this race and had a heck of a run. Mike was eager and anxious to share his story of lost calories, ridiculous footwear, amazing speed, and professional grade perseverance. Like that? That was my radio announcer voice. Um, a quick note, uh, as is becoming the standard with Mr. Weldon, uh, and his appearances on the show. There's some, uh, well, some, there's an abundance of adult language. So if you listen in the car with sensitive ears or sensitive dispositions around, you may want to save this episode for uh, your headphones or alone time. Um, also, as a companion piece to this, Mike wrote a very cool race report, and um, I think the two really um, tie together between his blog and this podcast. You should consume each one independently, and then again and again and again until this 50-miler is ingrained in your bones. Um, so, I'll put a link to that blog article in the show notes for the people that don't have a uh, quick link to Mike's blog or have it set as their homepage. Um, and you can find those show notes at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash podcast slash 018. So please check that out after you listen to the episode or maybe before. Either way. Um there's a few spoilers in each one, but there's just such good detail also in each one. Um, so with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester, New York runners. Yeah. Um, I, it was kind of like Laurel, I think, with Jamie, where it was like, we should probably take care of this before it isn't fresh anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, it was a really crazy weekend in regards to running. So I just kind of wanted to um, talk about it. And then the whole Troy thing happened. And, uh, you know, there's been some stuff since last time we recorded anything relevant to to, it's, um, it's to been, my life. I it's guess. been I three weeks. Since <laughs> this is, yeah, since <laughs> therapy sessions here that I recorded for the use of the general public um i have this feeling that you just really don't want to write and that this is <laughs> that was a huge i'm actually going to try later and that was that's been a problem where i was like sitting down and putting words on paper is just so fucking hard now and if i can just sit there and blab uh yeah. then maybe it's easier um okay but jfk uh, yeah because that's what this is probably supposed to be all about um yeah, uh, that was crazy. Um, there's 1,300 people at a starting line for an ultra, which is like mind-boggling and something, an experience that was really amazing to have. Um, the whole race is really, everything about it is just monumental. 
It starts at like an intersection, Main Street, in this small town in Boonesboro. Um, it's founded by Daniel Boone's cousin, you know. Uh, <laughs> other I, I read that in the the race in the packet pickup thing. The the uh, other Boonesboro of the Maryland Boones boroughs. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so you start this race and you're like, um. I don't know, it's weird because you see the people at the line, you see like Mike Wardian, who I ended up on a team with. There's team scoring in, in JFK, apparently, uh, or an optional team scoring. So so Dobbin and I were contacted a few nights before the race by Sean Meisner and Mike Wardian, um, and they needed two more teammates. And they were like, uh, you know, you guys want to do this? And we were like, yeah, whatever. Um, so anyways, being on a, on a team with, with two guys like that, I don't know how familiar... You would be with Sean, but um, his ultra results are like six pages long of just like, whoa, Western States, you know, UTMB, a bunch of 630s at JFK type of thing. Um, great runner. I spent, you know, 10 miles on the AT with him on, on Saturday, and that was really neat to talk to him about that. Um, but yeah, so you're at the line, and there's, you know, the big names and the, the big faces and the guys that are like they run a race like that so fast that it's unfathomable guys that'll be running at like a 6:30 pace for the entire 50 miles um and jared burdick was there uh so that was kind of exciting to see him at a race again um so it starts and you you just run up a hill for like essentially two miles um and then uh dump onto the at and the at up there is the craziest fucking shit i've ever run on it's like bear mountain but i thought it was a little bit worse um, maybe just because I was wearing hokas, though. Uh, people were like, I <laughs> okay. kept falling. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, so I got these hokas, the huaka. Um, and I was like, these are a good idea. Uh, so when you're running in hokas, you have to pick your feet up twice as high to get over anything. And on this section of the AT, like you, the, the rocks are so variable. It's like running on like jagged fucking grapefruit to basketball sized rocks for you know 14 miles or whatever and i tripped and fell so many fucking times uh the first time i went down like five people started laughing at me and i looked down and my um the mouthpiece on my amphipod had my hand held it like chipped and i lost most of it and i was like that's a bummer but i think i can make this work and then 30 feet later i fell again and i looked down and i shattered the whole thing and like all of my my tailwind, which was like my primary calorie source, was gone into the dirt. So I was like, "Cool, I've got a second handheld that's just got water in it. That should get me through to like mile whatever. You know, I'll just live without calories." And this is pretty much to sum up this race: everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and it ended up being so good, anyways. So I guess the the point I ultimately want to make from this whole thing is that no matter how bad things go, like from the beginning like from being rushed out of the porta potty when you're trying to take a shit and the race is about to start to uh losing your main source of calories fucking four miles into it two miles after climbing straight up a hill um things can still end up being great but anyway so i've got like the second handheld that's just water and i'm like cool this will work uh, so i'm carrying a useless handheld with no lid on it and then another one and chatting away and then i fall again and everybody's like, dude, have you ever been on trails before? 
And I'm like, no. Did, did somebody I've, actually say that to you? Or was it was, that that you? was pretty much like the assessment that people were making. There, I was with a lot of like really like nimble-footed fucking people at that point, and they were moving really well, and I clearly was not. And it was like anything that was not flat ground was tripping me. Um, jacked both of my knees up really bad. My elbow was like really messed up from the whole thing. And then I fell again and landed on the handheld and the new amphipod lids, you squeeze them to get the, the liquid out. And when I fell, it drained all of the liquid out. It squeezed it all out. It was that good of a fall. So then I'm in the woods with no liquid, no calories, no anything um, on this like really treacherous uh, section of trails. And I've, um, what I got like, Really, you know, it's the earliest low point I've, I've ever hit in a race, I think, where I was like, okay, my knee doesn't work anymore. I have 47 miles to go or something, and I have a busted handheld and another one that's empty, and there's I don't know when there's an aid station. I don't see crew for another 14 miles. Fuck. Uh, and then to, my, to, to elaborate, there's only three crew checkpoints on the entire course at JFK just because of how many people run it. Um, it would be a catastrophe if they tried to crew every checkpoint with 1,300 runners. So anyways, it's, you know, mile 1 to 17, you're not seeing anyone here. You hit a couple water stops. So I roll into a water stop, and I fill my my handheld uh, that's got, like, tailwind, like, ass end in it um, that somehow didn't fall out when I was running. I fill it with Coke and then some, like, goo brew thinking that I could make up for lost time and lost electrolytes and calories. And it starts to get a little weird because you're really early in a race and you're fueling with things that you don't use ever in life during training or anything. And you're like, well, this could literally only go wrong. And, uh, and it did. You start cramping. Um, and you hit some like serious climbs at that point. You come out of aid. Aid one is really a joke. It's like a table with water and a couple people. Uh, a2 was decent. Um, they had some stuff. So I grabbed some Coke and some, some Goober and put them in the remaining handheld. And then you hit this climb that's just like straight up. It's ridiculous. Um, and that's, you know, another mile or so of climbing. And then you're back on the the trail. And it's, you know, 14, 15, 14 miles. I think of like really shitty AT. That's not shitty. It's beautiful and awesome. Uh, and I just really suck at running in Hoka's, uh, apparently. Um, so so let's what why why would you run in Hocus? Well, what happened was um, my Innovate two nineties, which had been a great shoe and would have been ideal for the race because they're very good cushioning, uh, good trail shoe, good traction, good rock plate. Um, they just went like completely flat in probably the last two weeks. I've been running in them a lot. I hit like miles six hundred in them and realized that like every time I ran in them, uh, my calves were getting noticeably sore for days afterwards my mt101s they're great but i couldn't do there's uh 10 8 miles of road after 26 miles of canal path in this race that i just couldn't do in a shoe like that and i was like you know i could give uh, natalie my crew person um my hokas and hand them to me at the first crew checkpoint, which is right after the trail, and I could switch out of the MT-101s, whatever. And for whatever reason, I guess same as running a 100-mile trail race and road shoes, where I was like, this will be fine. Um, so, like, if the house is on fire and we're sitting here right now, and I'm like, this is okay. 
everything's gonna be fine. So I wear the hokas, and uh, what a terrible idea that was. Um, but it's just me because everybody else at the race is sponsored by Hoka. Half the people there were wearing hokas. Nobody was doing face plants every thirty feet except for me. So that was just on me. Um, your your lifetime mileage in hokas is about what? Uh, these ones, the Hoka is a different kind of Hoka. It's a two millimeter offset. It's a fast shoe. It's essentially like what I would chalk up as their racing flat. So it's not like the, you know, 85 millimeter stack height that the Bondi is or the Stinson or whatever. Stinson's I have about a thousand miles in. Bondi's I, Bondi, I think they call it. I put about four miles in and gave them away. Um, these I've put about a hundred miles on, I think before this race on the road. Um, they scared me on trails, so I didn't train in them on the trails. But like I said, everything's going to be okay. Um, it wasn't, uh, and I got pretty banged up because of it. But I was thankful for the hokas, and my feet, as I stated after the race, were hoka fresh. After 50 <laughs> miles, I, they felt good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's stupid things that I do before races that I probably wouldn't advise that anyone else does. Um, you you got to the race on time. This we got time. to the start on time. That's because there was real people uh, with, like, real agendas there, and it wasn't me um, fucking up every, everybody's life with my right. Google Maps or something. <laughs> I wasn't, like, well, well, ruiner of worlds, well, sabotaging Jeff and Laura and Josh. Well, I mean, we're talking about, like, you, you were saying that everything went horribly wrong, but it started out well. I mean, No, well, I had to take a shit, and I couldn't do that. Um, so we found a porta potty by the start, and I got miracled to, like, into the porta potty before a massive line formed. This was, like, 20 feet from the starting line of a 1,300-person race, and we were like, oh, there's one, and somehow I got in there, and just trying to crap with that many people outside <laughs> chattering and knowing that they're all trying to get in there is Stage it's right. impossible, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know, fire out some rabbit pellets, and then off we go. Uh, and so that, yeah, that, that wasn't an ideal way to start the race, um, but... Whatever. Uh, you know, like I said, things can go shitty from the start and continue to go poorly throughout the entire race, and you can still have what I think to be a really good result. I think it's probably the best I've ever run. Yeah. And you had said that you were with um, nimble, nimble-footed people. Um, I was, did yeah. you Did you pick somebody that you were just going to hang out with for <clears> the race? I found Sean, Sean Meisner, who I was talking about before, and I was like, I'm going to hang on to this guy for as long as I can. He's typically a 630, 635 guy in a 50-miler. And I was like, I'll latch on. Uh, he's really fast on flat road sections. So I figured I'd kind of lose him there. Um, uh, we were about equivalent on the trails. I think um, technical stuff in normal footwear, I'd probably be a little bit better than than he is. Uh, but we were, you know, we were on equal ground in that sense. Um, and we were having really good conversation, too. I was, I was really enjoying my time with him. He's a great guy. He's from Flagstaff uh, and knows, knows Ian really well, I guess, Ian Golden. Um, that's kind of how we got hooked up together for that team thing. But, yeah, so there was him, and then there was a couple other guys. There was this guy that was with us that had won a six-hour uh, trail race with some pretty decent climbing on the loop with, like, 46 or 47 miles. So he was obviously, you know, someone that was in pretty good shape. Uh, a pack of, like, five or six people that were kind of, like, it was it would, like, 
come together and then blow apart and then come back together um, throughout the race. We caught the early starters, which in that race is a lot of people that are like hiking with trekking poles. It's people, you know, older people that are just like an homage to JFK maybe. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this shit that's been going on for like 35 years or whatever. 53 is what I meant to say when I said 35. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, so you start passing these people right around the AT section, um, and really, like, you hit this, you know, you hit this descent, uh, which is probably the most fun I would ever have running if I was in normal shoes and there wasn't people everywhere, uh, but because of the situations, it was a little more harrowing and uh, terrifying, quite frankly. It's like a 1,200-foot descent and, like, a mile, and it's these switchbacks that are so tight and jagged that you're just, like... I'm going to die uh, every three feet. Um, but yeah, so you descend out of that, and that's uh, all of my falling and hurting myself was, was really done by then. I come out, and I, that's when you get crew. That's mile 17. Um, so I finally have access to, to people. I hand my broken handheld to Natalie, and I'm like, if you guys can find a way. Roger was there at Oskvig and his wife, Melissa, and they were, they were helping out with me too. Um, you know, as they were crewing for, for Dobbin as well. I was like, if you guys can find a way to make, like, another water bottle for me to carry, that would be awesome. Or, like, find a cap floating around. Sweet. Because I kind of wanted to have two. I wanted 10 ounces of Tailwind and then 10 ounces of water at my disposal throughout the day, which ended up just not coming uh, to be the way that it was by any means. Um, but eventually, the, by the time I saw them again, which is mile 20... 28 maybe 30 28 yeah they had put a coconut water bottle into my handheld strap and like retrofitted it to make this cool new handheld that nobody else on the course had so it was special um so i used that for a little bit there was water in it so i was back to my tailwind water thing but i was running out of calories like really rapidly and um trying to take gels honey stingers were going down really well i was really uh, enjoying those and then goo was like the the main jam for these aid stations which were by far the worst aid stations i've ever seen in a race uh, i could talk about that more elaborately at some point but goo goo just does not go well with me but anyways in terms of things going wrong in a race and me having to be like okay everything's gonna be okay um yeah goo is not good and it causes me to gag every time i try to take it but you need calories for these things, so you gag and you choke it down and take it. Um, I think I managed to eat like four of them over the course of the race, so that was okay. Um, but yeah, so I come out and I finally have crew access. I ditched some clothes maybe. I started in a long sleeve. It was like 35 degrees out. And then you're kind of back onto the trails for a minute, just for a minute though. And then you get a full marathon on this kind of nice uh, crushed stone um canal path or it's on the the potomac i think was the river Uh, and it's just like this really gradual 26 mile climb that i mean it only climbs like 100 feet over that so you don't really notice it by any means but it's what it is um and it's i don't know if anyone you know anyone listening or if you have ever done a race where you have one of these massive flat sections that comprises the middle portion of the race where it's just like okay i just totally fucked myself up in every manageable way um you know, the first 17 miles, and then here's 
26 of having to run at full speed. And this is where, like, when you have a goal going in where you're like, I want to go sub seven in a 50 miler, you do not have time to, like, to fuck around. You don't have time to fall off pace. You don't have time for anything. You can't lollygag the way that I would like to at an aid station and sit there and talk to people and have a conversation. You have to be moving at essentially like an 8.15 pace the entire time or 8.27 or whatever it is for a sub seven hour. Um, there's no time to stop. So you hit this flat section and, you know, so to make up for what the first uh, third of the race was, you have to run a lot faster because obviously trails and, you know, 2,000 feet of climbing in that section are going to slow you down. So it was seven to 7.30 pace for that whole thing. Uh, ended up being a 3.25 marathon, I think. Uh, 405.50K in the middle of the race, which I guess is pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's all right. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, I didn't realize it was like that until I put the data into the, the computer, but um, something to be happy about, I guess. It was... Uh, yeah. But then, you know, this, this whole time doing this, uh, I'd kind of set myself up to pick people off and pass people. I think I've learned this year that I don't race so well out front. Um, I race a lot better when I have people to kind of like pick off as it goes, uh, as opposed to just watching people blow by me all day because I went out too fast. So I went out with, you know, maybe 25, um, 30 people in front of me and kind of just planned on, you know, picking off one every five or six miles. And that worked. I ended up, I think, in 19th place, um, and just, you know, hit hit the last eight miles of the road section, like, you know, in good shape. And then I started getting passed again. People started kind of reeling me in. Experienced runners that you see when you're doing a 7.30 mile at, like, the end of a race, and these guys come by doing, like, 6.30s, and you're like, okay, these guys. And that's the nature of a competitive race like that, which is really a, a beautiful thing to uh, to be a part of, where it's like all of these people are my peers or better than me, and then you can kind of learn about, you know, how much work you actually have to do and how far you've actually come. Were you, were you showing them your awesome coconut water bottle <clears throat> as they passed you? I was not. Um, at some point, I ditched that. So because of the, I was, the aid stations. So we're talking about America's Ultra, it's called. Um, none of them have ever heard of a salt pill or an S-cap. Not a single one on the entire course. So when I hit these aid stations and I'm like, hey, guys, do you have any salt pills? <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Ultra marathon, endurance event, sodium, electrolytes. And they're like, we have Gubru. And I was like, do you have anything in a capsule that I can take? <laughs> and I'm like, this is really like, pill, this is yeah. really like personal accountability here. Like, why didn't I bring my own? Every race I've ever been to, even the ones with like six people at them, have had salt pills at the aid station. So I was like, okay, learning experience. Um, so the coconut water bottle, what happened was I got to mile 38, the last crew checkpoint, and I was like, dudes, like my legs don't work. I couldn't lift. Just my quads were so cramped that I couldn't lift them. And I was like, probably an electrolyte thing, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. Try whatever. So Natalie takes like a bunch of salt uh, from a Tupperware container dumps it into my coconut water bottle and then some water and then hands it to me and I like shake it up and I I drank some of it and uh, 
actually too much of it. It was pretty much just like eating salt with some water. And I was say that's that, <laughs> you talk about Guru making. You and I, I'm like, I think Roger was probably just looking at the two of us like, what the hell are they doing? Um, but anyway, so then I take a stinger uh, again, and that almost made me puke, probably because of the salt. But so I left the the coconut water bottle in mile 38 because it was then full of salt. <laughs> um, too heavy to carry. Yeah. Uh, so then I'm back down to one handheld, whatever. I didn't even need it. You, I, yeah, 12 miles left. That's yeah. the thing. I got to that point where like, I didn't even, I would go by aid stations and be like, nothing that I take is going to even change anything about the rest of this race. And you hit over, I mean, what that race does have that's sweet is there's aid stations like every three miles. Just the fact that they're not good aid stations is the problem. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, Going by them, like I could stop and I could eat more goo chomps or take a, a gel or something. But by the time I stop, like gagging over that, the race will be over and it doesn't matter anymore. So, really, like minimal nutrition was taken over the last twelve miles. Um, the race is unique in the sense that after that, like twenty-six mile stretch on the canal path or the the river trail whatever you want to call it uh they dump you out into these really awesome country roads um and it starts on like this really massive climb that's very much like can lake type climbing uh winds around and there's cars trying to hit you maybe but they don't because it's just a good day um and there's farms and there's like skeletons with you know there's a rib cage that was really big i think it was a cow uh that was really cool to run by um but you're on these rolling hills then for the last eight miles and it's a lot more up than it is down, I think, it feels like. Um, you know, my interpretation of it may have been skewed by where I was in the race. Uh, but yeah, so I was kind of just doing that on, like, water and um, kind of, like, raw, like, emotion. Um, if you can, I don't know. Can you, can you digest emotion? Yeah, can you, <laughs> you know, can you it's metabolize, like... Can you metabolize emotion? Yeah, you know... Maybe at some point during like Twisted Branch or something where you, like your body's not functioning anyways, so it doesn't even matter. You're just yeah. kind of like, it's that, you know, that what's that book called? Perpetual Forward Motion or something. It's yeah, like relent- you're just relentless, relentless forward, forward by that guy. So you're just... Um, <laughs> Brian Powell. By, Brian Powell. Uh, and you're just, you're falling forward and um, dying with every step. But then uh, you, just, you just get by because you do. And in your, your mind, you're like... There's, you know, it's not like I'm going to stop doing this. this. I paid $210 for this uh, or some other reason to not stop. And and you're still below seven hours. Right? I was still in shape for a sub seven. Um, and I think I, I got all that I could have out of myself that day. I don't have any regrets about the way that it went down. I think had all of my planning and nutrition gone the way that it should have, who knows, maybe my time would have been worse. Maybe I'm learning through all of these fucked up experiences over the last, like the water gap thing, showing up a half hour late and still running really well, um, that things go wrong inevitably. And to to kind of just like roll with it, and I think that produces the better result ultimately than if everything goes right. And you're like, okay, things are going right. Because then something goes wrong and you have to be like, shit, I had everything meticulously planned out and I still feel like shit. Like every, I felt like shit all day at JFK, but I could be like 
this is okay because it's no worse. No worse than what it was. I was like, nothing, nothing's gone right, so I should feel like shit. But yeah. that's no excuse. Right. Um, well, you know, it, it's it's that level that you're at. you're already at a point where you're you're reacting to to bad circumstances, right? And you're just like, whatever. That yeah. If something goes right, then bonus. But mm-hmm. I'm not planning on anything going that's right. Th- I mean, you buy a new car, and you spend like the first six months hoping that it doesn't get scratched. And then it gets hit by a car and you're like, oh, I guess I can stop worrying about that little scratch now because I'm missing a fucking door <laughs> or like, you know, I like my guitar. I have a guitar um, and I, I spent like the first couple of years with this thing being really careful and putting it in a case and carrying it around, being a responsible musician. And then my strap broke at a show one time and I dropped it and lost like a serious chunk of it. And I was like, what a relief to not have to give a shit anymore about yeah. this thing. Now I don't even use the case. I'm that guy that just shows up and everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Um, but I guess if I look at racing like that, I'm like, you know, I could sit around, I could freak out about everything all the time. And then something goes wrong and it's catastrophic. And I kind of like the idea of just being able to let go of things at that point. Um, and I think that, I think ultimately that produces the, the most pure, and honest result that, that you can get out of a day. Uh, and I don't know, that's, it's been such a profound um, theme this year. And fortunately, like only for me, because there's a lot of other people's stuff, like crewing for people where I've in some capacity depended on. And I've had some like serious Weldon moments during those things, but nothing's gone horribly wrong. Like nobody really suffered because I'm an idiot. Uh, Nobody died. Like, I almost crashed a couple of people's cars, and I almost, you know, wasn't where I was supposed to be at a given point, but everybody's made it out in spite of me being there. Well, I think it's, like you said, it's a little bit different when you're racing, yeah. right? Like, you're you're running that as opposed to, like, you have to have <clears> a plan when somebody shows up with it. Yeah. That's a, they're different circumstances. Yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it start to, the last couple, I didn't do any. I did one ultra earlier in the year. I did a hundred miler, and then just two, like the fifty k, and then this yesterday. And it's like I haven't had much real time in that. Like, you know, all my other races this year were short, and you know, you run a short, fast race, and it's over, and you don't have time to like dig into this uh, transcendental level of um, death that you're ultimately living in when you're doing these events, and it's like you're essentially dying like the entire last half of an ultra you're just your body is like i give up uh i'm dead and then you have to start using you know parts of your brain to be like you know let's keep doing this why the hell would anyone do that um but so i haven't spent enough time in that this year last month at the 50k i got to dip into that a little bit and then yesterday i got to dip into it a lot of a bit and oh no i guess it, it was really refreshing to to be back there and that like really like grim spot and just uh find find the the beauty i guess and suffering through that stuff and uh emerging um and having like i mean there's there's so much to be said for like the um and i probably said it too many times this year but the the thought of like having people around for that shit uh it's so much different driving to a race alone especially an ultra and you're there by yourself and you're running it and it's just like what the hell am i doing uh I have no reason to get anywhere. There's like, you know, you 
kind of latch on to the people that you know you're going to see at every checkpoint. Uh, and it's like, you know, having Roger there and knowing that, you know, to have that protection and safety there in case like, okay, I'm actually like falling apart. What's going on here from a medical level and, you know, fix me if you will. Yeah. Uh, or, or at least tell me that I can <laughs> keep going. Tell me I'm not going to die. Um, and haven't like haven't yesterday. Natalie went with me, and she was my crew, and we've done a significant portion of our training together for whatever event over the last couple of months. And to like know that that was a person that I was going to see at each um, crew checkpoint, and then even beyond that, when you know she had to get her miles in, so she would like run onto the course and meet me, and then run a little bit with me uh, periodically throughout the day, and that was really you know, uplifting and useful to have around and um, kind of breaks up the monotony of being alone. You spend a lot of time alone in that race, um, especially in the longer, flatter sections where you're not catching anyone, no one's catching you. Uh, and it's just, you know, a dangerous amount of um, introspective time. Yeah, you had asked if there's any races like that where you got a long, flat stretch, and the first thing I thought of was the Rochester Marathon, right? There's yeah, yeah, you hit the, 16 miles the canal, on the canal, paths. right? Yeah, so... This was like that on a macro level. Right. But it, but you don't have the 16 miles of climbing in woods and yeah. AT. All you, you have, don't. you have East Ave. You have East Ave <laughs> to Parenton Park. Right. And, and Parenton so, Park's the best part of that race. Yeah. And it's 30 feet. Yeah. And then, but then, so the next piece is what you're saying is there 16 mile stretch where you aren't passing a lot of people mm -hmm. and people aren't passing you if you're in the certain part of the race. Mm -hmm. And, and there is that little bit of time where, you hit the one aid station, right? And, well, I guess this is all past tense now, right? But you'd hit that first aid station on the canal, and you'd be like, hey, there's people, and they're cheering. And then there's that second aid station at the end of the canal, and I felt like every time, I, where is that aid station? Why isn't it here yeah. yet? Why can I can I get off this desolate path? Mm -hmm. I just need, and, and you start looking forward to the aid station when it's not yeah. coming, and that, that was really weird. Like, I felt like that was that deep, dark, introspective time, like, why do I care about an aid station? I'm not even going to do anything there. I'm yeah. going to have a sip of water. It's true. And that is a very good way of breaking down, especially in fast races where you're not messing around today. So you are in and out as fast as you can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And it just, it becomes something to look forward to. Um, so on that, on that stretch, were you doing the thing where you ran up and grabbed the water from the aid station volunteer, splashed half of it on them and then well, threw it all over What I was doing was running up and being ground. like, do you guys have any salt? And the answer was consistently, what? And <laughs> I was like, come on, dude, I'm dying. Uh, and then it was a lot of like taking cups of water and everyone's looking at me funny, like what's on your head? Um, <laughs> what what was on my, your my, head? My hair. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I was using the water of the aid station predominantly to rinse my hands off because I was having like serious gel problems that day where I'd open one and it'd just explode on my hands and then I'd be like licking goo off of my hands. Uh, so that was a lot of my aid station time. Um, there was one where it was Christmas themed and there was like a Santa Claus and I ran up and he was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, a fucking salt pill. <laughs> and then I look at the first table. There was two tables. One was like baked goods. It was down the way a little bit. And there was girls singing Christmas carols. So I'm at table one like, hey, guys, where's the S-caps? Which I, I should be clear that I don't usually use these things. This I don't know why I wanted one so bad yesterday. 
I just felt like it would solve all of my problems. Um, nothing. Anyways, so I go to the next one, and it's these girls. And uh, I looked at them like, should I bother asking them if they have salt? And then they started singing this Christmas carol. They got like three words into it, and I like leaned over and kind of like defeat, and my handheld just farted. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the new amphipods, but they like fart. They're like air <laughs> operated, and I and I and these girls thought that I farted. It was like high school girls, and they just they couldn't keep singing. They started laughing at me. <laughs> so now I'm sitting here like doubled over at an aid station, being ridiculed by a bunch of high school girls, um, which is. I guess been a theme in life uh, from the beginning. But so I started running and I can hear them giggling. And I was like, I should go back and just fucking fart like all over the place. But I didn't, there was a race to, to run. Uh, <laughs> right. You have no second. It's not like this is a slow race. This is a fat, you don't have time to fart around. Yeah, There was no time to fart around, if you will. Thanks <laughs> for the pun. Uh, and Santa Claus is still not real and still has, Nothing that I wanted. Um, There's good things that no kids are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> thanks to your language. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I, uh, Jesus, there was a point before I got sidetracked by the the Christmas themed. Before you relived your high school days. Yeah, just getting farting accidentally and getting ridiculed mercilessly. We were talking about running fast <clears throat> and aid stations and big long, big long, long stretch. stretches where you're thinking deep thoughts to yourself and. Usually I think, thinking like, why do I do this shit? Like who, why, no, I'm not enjoying myself. Not only do I do this stuff, but I pay money to do this stuff. Um, and why? And I don't know if, I think the answer usually comes when you, when you finish and you're just like, cool, that was worth it. And that was good. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this race was so unique and, and special for, so many reasons. And I feel like everything about it just kind of, um, it was a perfect culmination to what was a really bizarre year for me, um, where I had, uh, and I, here I am like talking about my year of running, like it should matter to anyone. Um, and really everybody's year should matter to them and they should, you know, use that to, to really push themselves forward. And, um, but here I am talking about mine, like it's important in some way, but, to sum up the year, I feel like JFK was a perfect event for that. And that's kind of why I was compelled to be like, let's, let's talk about this before I forget about all of it. Uh, you know, a year in which I started, um, and I, most of my running was being done in the unbearable cold with, with you and Laura and, mm -hmm. and Matt and Jeff and Jamie and, uh, and Dobbin. And it was, um, you know, I had a couple of really shitty races to start the year. Uh, yeah, that muddy <clears throat> muddy sneaker was pretty. Well, no, race. frozen assets. I got um, beat by I think eighty percent of the field. Uh, Winterfest. Jeff Green just gallantly fucking destroyed me with cameras around everywhere. It was like a media storm. That that uh, rematch is coming up soon. It is, and so yeah, a bunch of really. And this is like the year was almost like like JFK was like a like a retelling of my entire year on a much smaller scale it was like it started out really fucking ridiculous and lame uh no muddy sneaker went really well 
And then I thought I broke my leg. But, well, and Money Sneaker was another one where you didn't start very well. You Did didn't not have, start well. You didn't have much of a plan. You just sort of showed up the starting line. Yeah. And went. Yeah, I almost crapped in, what were your car? Were we in Bertrand's car? Bertrand's car. Bertrand's car, yeah. Luckily, it's like, yeah. man, luckily. We, don't, we don't take my car to races yeah. because of that. Because <laughs> of my issues. Uh, but yeah, so that was a good race. And I was like, oh, shit, my leg's broken. I need to stop running and wait for an MRI. So I stopped. And then I guess Ontario was decent. Um but, I mean, the the first half of my year, I think, was better because of enjoying your guys' races, you and Laura and, and Matt and so forth. Uh, Cayuga, I thought, was a really good experience in my life. And I hadn't run it. I just crewed it this year. And it was totally awesome to be a part of that. And um, Segahunda and, uh, you know, being there when you did Ontario was really awesome. Um, so there's that. And then Burning River, which ultimately, I guess, was cool because I finished without dying and I you know 23 hours I guess is okay for a first hundred miler but you know retrospectively I should have done way better than that uh and my training just you know I wasn't in shape for it um yeah you did six weeks right like, six weeks a six yeah. week build for but it, it does feel to me like things sort of changed um after twisted branch the focus sort of started to go back to you and your running. You stopped focusing so much on what we were all doing. There might be some of that. I think there was a big part of me that really missed, um, cause twisted branch happened and everybody's like essentially took time off from running. And I had just started to recover from burning river at that point. So I was like, Oh, I'm all alone. Um, and that's where, um, Natalie Thompson, really like factored into everything she like we had run together once before and she and i haven't you know talked about her much she hasn't been on here really in any formal and she was she was in the back she was in the background of danielle's podcast okay for a few minutes yeah so she's you know when all is said and done will be like one of the better female mountain runners that we all see she'll be um you know she's essentially elite at this point and um, that's only going to get better. So to have her as a like a training partner to latch on to and to be like, you know, let's, um, you know, instead of me starting to learn how to run alone again, which I really was not in the mood to do, uh, I was like, cool, we're running together every day for essentially till now. And that's, it's, that's pretty much what it's been. Uh, and it's been a very useful training tool. Um, you know, things, uh, the race out of Swain went really well. I think that mm-hmm. was, you know, a byproduct of some really good uh, hill workouts at Bristol. Um, and that was like, I, you know, I got to run with you guys again. So that was, you know, a high point. Yeah, in the, you, you got to run the same race we were in. Yeah, but. I got to win. <laughs> um, on, an, on an eight mile course, you beat me by almost two minutes per mile in that race. Yeah. So that's, that's something. Yeah. I well, didn't get lapped. Um, but yeah, so it was, you know, that went well and, uh, things started to pick up after that. I felt like that the year got better. Um, well, you sort of went. You went from that right into um, the mudslog. Right? Mud, no water gap. Water gap, right? So and yeah, water gap, slug. which which we, I don't think we've really talked about on here much. Did we do a water gap? Thing? No, because we talked about Oil Creek instead. Yeah, we did. Okay, so what happened to water gap? Just showing up, um, and I, you know, I can't take all the blame for everything before water gap, but I think me being there probably like tainted the idea of getting somewhere on time like we left ourselves hours to get to the start and somehow it went wrong and it's probably in some way like i'm cursed or something i don't know 
So we get to the start. I, like I've gotten to the start line every single race that I was in with you there. So I'll just you're just so organized. I'll just that it's for the record, <laughs> note that um, getting to the race on time is one of the essential parts of my plan that you often ridicule yeah. me about. And yeah, that and that was like so. And I a testament to like the the great spirits of the the people I've surrounded myself with or have been so fortunate enough to be surrounded by, you know, Laura, Josh, Jeff. Um, and Ereb uh, Rabinowitz, who was driving the car while we were racing, to just show up there and be like, whatever, the entire start line is packed up and gone for the better part of a half hour. Let's just run because it's cool. And then you catch someone, and then you catch 60 people, and you're like, yeah. what a day. Uh, so Water Gap, show up 30 minutes late, still PR despite that, and then 30 minutes minus what it was, finally finally broke four hours on a 50k which is fucking sweet in my opinion i felt good about that uh mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm not a runner by virtue this is not like what i've done with my life so to um to be at a point where i i can do that sort of thing feels really good um uh, and then so after that i come home six days later and, and 5k go, pr and then go for a swim right i went well <laughs> First, the 5K PR on Saturday after a night of getting completely fucking annihilated because why else, you know, what, what do you do before races? Um, so sub-18 and a 5K for the first time, uh, thanks to Jeff Green, who carried me through the entire thing on his broad shoulders, talking shit to me the entire way, like, come on, Wilden, I'm going to beat you again. And then he beats me again. In a five. But that was fine. I got the PR, whatever. The next day... Um, Actually, that night I went and played a, a surprise reunion show with this band that I used to be in, and got it was it was rough. Don't remember coming home, but I remember the alarm going off in the morning, and I was like mudslog, uh, mudslog. So I drive out to to the stable there, Fairport, Parenton, um, and what a ridiculous race that is. There's other people who seem to have done that before, and I never did. So I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. Uh, it was, it was fun. It was a, it was a good time. Uh, I got destroyed by some by this kid Taylor, who's got decent hair, good strong mohawk. Uh, out kicked me like it was, you know, another day at the park um, with 30 feet to go. And uh, he also happened to be at JFK, right? He was at JFK too. He ran eight. 48, I think, was his time there. Uh, yeah, and so we'll, we'll finish Mudslog, but I wanted to talk about some of your other predictions for JFK as well. So Mudslog, you did a thing, right? Something new. Yeah, right? I got destroyed. Uh, but obstacles are... Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> That's not my forte. Uh, so when I approach these things, I'm trying King to race, there. and I just like stare <laughs> at them, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And they're like, climb over it, dumbass. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I have to negotiate these obstacles that are like... You know, they're really, I don't think they're that challenging, but, you know, I'm a runner. I'm not a guy that does obstacles. Uh, the water? A mudslug? <laughs> like, is that even legal? Like, I, they're like, so it's going to be slippery down there, so be careful. And I'm like, well, I'm just going all the way in anyway, so you jump in. But it's like, this shit might as well be frozen. It's like, you're going to shock. My lungs stopped working. My diaphragm still doesn't work. And this was a month ago. Uh... And my hair, my fucking hair didn't dry for like a week after that. It was like an icicle. 
I had to go to work after that too. So I'm bleeding everywhere. I've got this awesome scar on my. So there was one obstacle, abdomen. right? That you did like water, a slip and slide down Shit. a down that, a um, that came up. Uh, <laughs> a water slide down a um, a slope full of rocks, I believe, right? Yeah, it was rocks. It didn't look like rocks until I was on it. Uh, but yeah, someone was like, "Slide down on your butt or something," and I was like, "No, like head first is the way." Like, I'm Pete Rose all the way, baby. So, yeah. So then there's someone with a camera. Ron's got his camera out, talking about this is golden. Uh, and I'm like I, I actually like have pretty bad scars from that. They'll be there forever to remind me of how fucking stupid I am. Uh, um, yeah, that was yeah. I had first slide down a bunch of jagged rocks. I I thought they were gonna be like wet. You want that to be like this is gonna be a slippery slope. Like this will look graceful. This is gonna be awesome. And you just stop like dead in your tracks and just start bleeding. And then you're like, well, I've already committed to this. And then halfway like down, scooting I like yourself. roll over and I'm like crab walking. And they're like, you're still doing it wrong. And I'm like, come on, guys. Cut me, cut me some fucking slack. No, nobody ever accused me of knowing what I was doing at you're, anything in life. You're scooting downhill on your belly. Yeah. Oh, classy. Yeah. So there was that. And then there was the barrel thing was actually really cool. Um, the barrels, they're like on planks and you go across, you climb mm-hmm. over each one. I really enjoyed that. That was probably the highlight of the race for me. I rolled my ankles each 30 times. Mostly there's like cornfields and shit that you're running through. Really unstable footing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I got it was a humbling experience being just completely nuked by this kid. It sounds like a lot yeah. of that was practice for JFK, though. You know, It was, yeah. Jagged rocks. All those jagged rocks. And falling and... That was a, the, the falls at JFK, that was a really un- unique experience, too, because for some reason, for the first time ever, I would fall in, like, hydroplane. And um, I don't know if it was just, like, because people were watching that it had to look that much more extreme, but I was not, like, falling and just falling, and, like, you thud, you're down. It was, like, fall and slide. That's how I fell when we did a high tour the other yeah. week. I did, like, slide, and I ripped my hand open, and it was like, it couldn't just stop. No, I had to rip my hand open so I could gather a bunch of rocks into, yeah, you gotta into hold, the wound. Yeah, because you don't you gotta take shit home with you. Uh, and that's and I could plug Amphipod one more time. Um my hands look fucking great. I'm like look at these things. Unscathed, and I credit that to the neoprene sleeve on my handhelds. <sighs> Lifesavers. Um my knees are broken and my elbow is broken. But uh, so we'll we'll put a link to your amphipod in the show notes so everybody can do it run and out then and link it to amphipod because I need some shit I need some new caps for my <laughs> water bottles, uh, and I just generally really enjoy amphipod stuff. So if anybody has cracked their amphipod bottle and happens to have the cap laying around, yeah, dude, you can really uh, benefit from that. Yeah, or if you moved on to another, you know, brand or model, I'm open to free caps uh, for my amphipod. Um, yeah, I'd I'd made some back to JFK. I guess I'd uh, made some predictions about what I thought the the front field would look like. Yeah, so Jared Burdick was your surprise Jared, winner. Jared huh? Jared was who I thought would really win. And I talked to him afterwards, and he, you know, he looked really good after the race. I think um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him about what had happened. He ended up dropping out. Uh, I think he had been in second for a long time. The the guy that won last year won it again. Uh, came from Flagstaff with Sean that I ended up running a bunch of the race with. Um. And I get this kid's just strong as hell. I think it was a 550 or something. Yeah, sub, sub six, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so 
uh, I thought, and Jared's probably, you know, in shape for on a course like that for like a, you know, five, five fifty sub sub six at least. And, uh, maybe it was just like the, the technical nature of it that was, you know, that AT section really chews you up and spits you out with, it's weird coming out of that because you're, you're out of this like relentless trail and suddenly you have fast ground to cover and you're like, I can't move fast because I was just using all of these little muscles to really survive and they're all completely taxed. Uh, so that I think that kind of chips away at the strong suit for a lot of the faster people on their race. Max King's course record is like, it's like 534. It's not even realistic. It's insane. It's uh, yeah, like five, some, yeah, it's a low, low, way under six. Uh, at any rate, the kind of thing that's suited to a guy like that that does trails really strong and then just opens up on the the road and can go. Uh, him, Sage, guys like that. But, um, you know, that's the nature of that race. That's part of the challenge of scheming for it. Mike Wardian, uh, 616, I think he was. Mm-hmm. And as like a representation of how fast that field was, a 616 and a 50-miler is fucking insane. And... He was what, like sixth place or something? Yeah, like sixth, I think. Yeah. And Davin Davin was five or six thirty five. Six thirty five and, and he was thirteenth. Uh twelfth. Twelfth? Yeah. So he one girl passed him. The girl that won passed him. She was eleventh overall, I think. Um But yeah, to and six thirty five again, six thirty five. That's an insane fifty mile time. That's crazy. That's like seven you know, 35 pace or something, over 50 miles. Uh, Jesus. Um, 655 not so bad either. 655 felt pretty good, actually. And then I was, <laughs> you know, I was I was like, I'm really going to be bummed about not getting 645. And then I had I had an eight-hour drive home to think about it. And I was like, I think I can feel pretty good about this. I remember, And that was like, I hit that, like, the last, Natalie ran the last five miles with me. Um and I was like in that weird delusional state where if you've done ultras at a high intensity, like you really know what it's like to be not with it at all. And there was one point where like the the whole last six miles of that race is the entire road is just there's cones all down the center of the road. So cars know like don't fuck around. There's people out here, which is awesome. It's really, really well put together in that respect. A car hit one of these barrels and like launched it into the, the road before we got to it, but she like veers across traffic to go pick this thing up and put it back in the middle of the road. And I like start following her like a puppy, like completely. And I was like, (laughs) she like looks at me. I was like, am I supposed to cross with you? And she's like, no, like what the hell are you doing? And I was like, damn it. So I run back to the shoulder. I think I didn't get hit by any cars or anything. And it was just like that, like state of like completely, confused existence Um, not able to help yourself just run straight yeah there was like and the race ends on like a a pretty annoying climb which at the time was like you know i just got to everest and uh so there's like a little gas station and the headwind came in and it was gale force i'm talking hurricane um and i was complaining about that and then she's like dude no and i realized that like there wasn't any wind it was maybe a little breeze, but I was like, why is there a headwind and a hill when I'm just trying to finish this shit? And uh, I was just, you know, my brain was telling stories that weren't actually happening. Um, and I I really like feeling like that. I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy that feeling again. It had been a long time since I 
got to that point. Even back to like before Ken Lake last year and dropping out of a race and you know, dropping out because I was getting into that mindset and wasn't prepared to handle it or I didn't have the motivation to handle it anymore. I didn't have the the drive to be like, here's where the suffering starts and I wanna suffer. I hit fifty K thirty two miles at Can Lake in like four hours and uh probably could have caught the guy that ended up winning, didn't I just didn't. I didn't want to. I was like, I, I don't want to do this. Uh, so I started coming up with these excuses and then justifying them like, oh, I'm I'm going to die. Uh, so I have to drop out of this race. And something about last year was like, you know, I didn't, didn't want to suffer anymore. And now I'm back to that, like, you know, bring it. You know, give, give it to me. I'll, I like it. Again, finally, I like it again. And it, and you go, well, that's the one level of suffering, but, you know, the next level is what you're talking yeah. about. Because, I mean, 50 miles at any rate sucks. Yeah, it does. But but then to drop it to that next level where it's like, oh, okay, you know, there's the, there's the ouch. And that's what's, you know, 100K is a huge mm-hmm. chunk of terrain to cover. I think next year is going to, you know, be have something in the way of that. Another 100 miler for sure. Um Still not ready to dig into like Sufferfest 100 milers like Massanutten or anything. You know, if I were to get miracled in the Western states, that would be a dream. Obviously, nobody passes that up. Um, my checking account might have something to say about that if they try to auto draft $435 out of it. Uh, but things like, you know, typically like like Hard Rock or something, I wouldn't want to do that at this point. I, I wanted to do something like I thought Burning River was a really good jumping off point. It was maybe a little bit hot for an entry level hundred for a guy that does not like the heat, but a beautiful course, you it was know, called, it was, you knew it was called burning, burning river. Yeah. yeah. I thought that, I mean, that was, yeah. Um, the beer though, I thought it was like my favorite beer. So I was like, this race is all about the beer. Um, made an ideal choice, but th- so a hundred miler next year is going to, be a thing, but I still want it to be like a good fast. Well, you, you had a, one. you had a taste of oil Creek. Oil Creek was good. Oil Creek could be an option, but at the same time, I still, I don't know if I'm strong enough to have a time that I would feel good about there. And that's, maybe that's just me being a chump. Maybe I should be like more open to doing a shitty hundred miler again and like having another, what I believe to be a subpar performance at that distance. Cause it, it, it's not a joke. Uh, you know, there's people that are going to hit a hundred miles the first time and thrive. And I was not one of them, um, you know, retrospectively, but well, you, you did still have a sub 24 sub 24 i guess you know to be and that, would, that was really your goal yeah you, that was your that was your humble first goal my, my z goal i was like but my a goal ended up being like the winning time so i guess my a goal was a little bit lofty <laughs> to begin with uh yeah um but you know it's back to that like what is this ultra running business and what and like I always use the Mike Arnstein quote where he's like, you know, ultra running could be running a 5k if you hit one mile and you can't fathom running anymore, but you do it anyways. You're just, you know, you're in that like death state and just kind of still moving forward. That's, that's what it is. And it's, um, it's not about a distance or anything like that. It's about the capacity or the desire to, to, you know, um, obtain a higher value of life just through you know intentional suffering uh masochism i suppose um 
My dogs have joined the interview and they're <laughs> relentlessly fucking my life up. Hi guys, I love you. Go back to bed. Go. <laughs> so, so awkward moment aside. To to listeners, no, this I, is really like what the hell. But to I us, was, there's was two letting, dogs. I'm waiting for them to to go away. I was letting you gather your thoughts. I'm. It's not, I'm just <laughs> gathering my like wide. What are you guys doing here to me right now? The dogs. Um. Okay, my thoughts. Back Hold to up. anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, hi, dog. Back, back to recording. Well, now he's getting in deep now. Now he's in the shit. Now he's like, <laughs> I have something to say about all this. And he's, what he wants to say is that he's really pissed off about running now because it's because you're too old to run, aren't you, Manny? Manny's like what I'm headed towards. He can barely walk. And he's, he's still fucking like, up my whole life right now. He still likes this. the suffering. And he's, yeah, and he can't run in the woods with me anymore. So now we just go and, dude, oh, my God. Dog lovers should appreciate this one. <laughs> um, yeah, what were we talking about before this canine disruption? You were you were talking about how you really enjoy in the intense level of pain that comes. the intense level of suffering that goes with the ultra distance. Not only just the lazy ultra distance, but the intense ultra. The, inten- the competitive edge of it, and that was. I mean, that's I. I think that's something that also was offered in the last two races of the year, um, Water Gap and uh, JFK, where it was there was like good good front runners to really like seek out. Obviously, I'm not gonna go like hammer out a 550 50 miler. So the guy that won wasn't even a thought, and that's you know that's the perspective we have to keep and like personalize our approach to this this sort of thing where we're like what is realistic competition for me? What At what level am I really pushing myself to get the most that I can and hopefully beat some people? Because it's fun to beat people. And that's, we all have egos. That's part of why we do this shit. Uh, and Water Gap, I got, I got to like, I didn't get to directly chase anyone, but I got to chase the idea of, um, you know, putting up a time that was on par with a guy like Silas Carey, who's, you know, a runner that I, I look up to very much. Um, or Carlo, that, some of the really fast MPF R&R guys that are just like, well, and if I could hang with them, um, I could have that day for a while. They ultimately would have beaten me by 10 minutes, which is substantial in 50K. Uh, but, you know, it's good to, to kind of gauge in that regard where you are and to, you know, hang with a guy like Sean Meisner, who I ultimately ended up um, beating by, you know, 20 minutes or something. Uh, and... Um, you know, people have bad days in races, and that's, I'm sure, what happened on, you know, on a good day. I'm sure I won't even stand a chance, but uh, it's a good way to, to really, I don't know, push yourself and, and make the most out of a current level of fitness. And to, and then we have, and that's the another part about why I like Rochester so much and why I like, you know, this podcast and things like um, this community where we have, like, these personal relationships with the people that we compete with in all of our awesome grassroots local events where like that's Manny trying to sneeze <laughs> for anyone that like thinks I just like farted on Chris. He looks like me when I sneeze, like his yeah. whole, I get the whole body convulsed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we get these awesome grassroots events and we have, we have people that we compete with on a personal level and try to like Jamie Hobbs is someone that I've, like admired as a runner since I met him and have been competing with and relentlessly getting fucking destroyed mostly um, the whole time really I think it's, it's 
been a lot of fun and it's been a, a way to really like push and grow and uh he's like my guy in that that respect my local you know person that i can hope to equate myself with someday um and yeah shit uh what a year uh trying to just scan the, the bank real quick and see if i like missed anything that would seem relevant at this point well, we do still have the entire month of December left. Yeah, I did just get a text from from Dobbin, uh, formally asking to go to do Bigfoot 50k in December. So it's probably a thing um, that might happen. I guess probably and might make you know make a good sentence together. Uh, <laughs> you know, why not one more race to to close it out? But you know, JFK was the intended. Um, summation of the year the race season so i guess i i would officially consider my race season to be um over at this point but you know i'll go hammer out some fun little things here and there there's lots lots of folks talking about um they're doing the december 5ks finding finding some december 5ks and running and yeah um and that the polar cast stuff i think is starting mm-hmm. soon yep um, i would like to do i think uh, i mean i want to do Maybe I'll do the reindeer run if it's a reasonable day. Yeah. Um, but the last time I ran it, like last year, it was clear streets, no mm-hmm. ice and anything. So December is a great time to go, like, just crush a 5K and be like, this is what I've, you know, I spent this whole year building towards a yeah. 5K. All of, I, I think I'm at 23 or 2400 miles this year. And if I can just dump that into wow. one little 5K, then it'll all be worth it. I think, I think I'm only at like, 1800 maybe but i finished last year with a thousand yeah so we're so, in good shape things things that, was good here and you're still a, pretty healthy yeah i, I mean for the most part yeah. yeah so i think that was you know when i look back in my year i'm like oh obviously it was all about twisted branch but mm-hmm. um there's 1800 miles there and and i go back and i look at some of like the little three or four mile runs you know i look at the uh the one day we did um Cobbs Hill up and downs, right? In that like weird snowstorm where like oh, we yeah. were we were on top of Cobbs Hill and you could see the city of Rochester yeah. and it looked like it was in a snow globe. What an amazing day. You know, yeah. and I and I go that well that was only seven miles, but that was an awesome that was an awesome run and that's yeah. that's um one of those runs where like maybe I wouldn't have went out if I was running alone that day and because I was running with someone I'm like, that's a pretty solid run. I would know? not have gone out. That day. <laughs> I can guarantee that I would. <laughs> and now now the dogs are exiting out dogs out you know um we read this book called go dog go every night and that's just what came into my head right there yeah. dogs it's, it's where dog. are they going where are the dogs going they're getting evicted to the dog party to the dog party um yeah moments like that are like really just Amazing. Uh, Dan Ostrander talks about um, when he dropped out of Leadville. Uh, it was like, yeah, it's it's a bummer because I spent the whole year training for this. What mm-hmm. should have been a, you know, this awesome moment in life, and ultimately ended up being that way. But it's like, you get to that point where, okay, I have nothing left in the tank. I've missed mm-hmm. cutoffs now. Now I'm actually done. What do I take from this? And you get one of those moments where he's on the top of a peak, and I think Hope Pass. And he's just out there with a friend of his, and it's just stars. And he's like, okay, this race did not go as planned, but I'll never forget this. And that could be something as, 
exotic as as Colorado at you know two in the morning or whatever when you've suffered for the, the entire day, or yeah. it could be Cobbs Hill. Um, yeah, and I think it's I think run. it's important when you're looking back at your whole year to not just think about which races did I do really well, which races yeah. did I suck at, but where were those other points in the year? You know what what other things felt good, mm-hmm. but that time that we had the huge group run and we went out to lunch afterwards and we had a great lunch and then you know so and so said this thing and those are also pieces of the running year and i think a lot of times people look back at their race histories and and they miss filling in the gaps in between the two races you know yeah so that that's a lot of what i've been thinking about as i've tried to write about this year is like where what's the things because i spent nine months going up to twisted branch it'd be a Mm -hmm. pretty crappy year recap if i said I, I trained for nine months and i ran twisted branch and then i was done yeah because there's there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of glue that holds those things together yeah and i you know i have to believe that your first run on like scottsville road after twisted branch probably sucked ass pretty hard it was kind of like <laughs> never doing this again yeah, that, was, that was not fun time um, to retire and and uh ocean mountain was yeah. My first race after, you know, I mean, it was a couple of weeks after. And, and I can't say that it was, I can't say I went into that thinking it was going to be fun, mm-hmm. but it really was. It was a blast. It was a really fun like, race. Like, if that race had good weather, I don't think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think, like, really, like, having to suffer and, like, climb. I mean, it, that race, I have to believe you got to the end of that race and you were like, I'm so glad that I don't have 56 miles to go. Oh yeah. my! I was like, eight is the perfect. Yeah, eight you know? is great for something <laughs> like that. It's awesome. Well, because I mean, the downhills on that, you're working every single piece yeah. of your body. Like, I felt like an alpine skier, you know, where they're digging and trying to catch the edge so that they yeah. don't go over. And I was just like, every muscle in my leg is tensed up right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to the end of that race, and I was like, yeah, eight's yeah. eight's perfect. I'm glad he doesn't have a twelve mile <clears throat> option for this thing. Yeah, there was I, at the massage table yesterday. There was. That was another cool thing about this race. Um, you go to a gymnasium when it finishes. I really like races that finish at high schools. When just like Oil Creek is the same way, where you go and there's like a medical room. It's not like medical tents. It's like a fucking cafeteria, and there's like pizza and people bandaging people. And I'm like, this is really cool. And then you go down into the gym, and all you want to do is play some two on two with the boys, but there's massage tables there. So you're like, I'm gonna do this <laughs> shit. Uh, so I'm on the massage table and she's like just digging in on my quads and I was like, I'm so glad that this was just a 50 mile race and that I don't have to go 50 more or even 12.2 more. Um, well, I don't think, would you be doing that? I mean, so that's the thing. Is that going to be now your new hundred K pace? Like, cause would you have went that hard if you had 12 miles more to go? Yeah, I would have. And that's, that was like some, I, I caught up to this guy at one point we talked for a minute he told me his name he said actually he said i remember you from burning river i was pacing my friend there and uh so we started talking for a minute and then he was i had been running this was mile 35 maybe and so i was still doing like 740 pace um before like really blowing up a little bit and he was like he's like well i don't think i can hang with you right now and i was like you'll catch me in a minute because i'm just trying to get this out while i can I was like, I'm not going to feel this good forever. <laughs> and five minutes later, I was like dead, uh, you know, still moving. But um, and it's like that. You know, I, I think that's another part of like what I'm coming to terms with is that uh, 
race strategizing and and the ultra thing and this this takes time to learn uh i remember jamie saying earlier in the year that um there was like a comment that he made on on some thread somewhere after laurel i i think it was or maybe after twisted branch where he had that just mind-blowingly good performance where he's like i think after all these years i'm finally getting the hang of this stuff and i that kind of prompted me to think like hey there really is a learning curve for your body and your mind to learn what can i do at mile 20 knowing that i have 30 more to go what can i do at mile 50 knowing that i have 50 more to go and kind of just letting that uh be an internal restraint for you um and in a 50k like you're dancing on the faster end of that you're like okay i'm you know i'm gonna push this as far as i can and i'm and again, and I really like all of these races that I've done this year, all the ultras I've done have been point to point, And I think that's so beneficial, uh, at least for what it was this year, where I can be like, I'm closing a gap. Every step I take is not going back to the same point. It's this forward motion. And to keep taking steps, ultimately, I will end up at the end without having to see this again. And that means everything uh, when, when shit gets really ugly. I really love point to point races. Um, but yeah, you, you know, I'm, I think I'm learning now uh, how to race. So then this year was learning, but also a little bit of leveling up. So mm-hmm. next year, is it going to be, like you said, you're going to have 100 miler. Is yeah. it going to, you think it's going to be late? And so you'll do like this, the end of this year, you kind of amped up your, uh, your core routine a little bit. Yeah. I started doing planks. Every you, had day. Your, you had your t-shirt on there. I saw your guns. You yeah. got, you got some, got some guns coming yeah, back. Yeah, I've now. done some exercises for the first time ever in life. Um, which is diligence is important. I'll, some nights I'll be like six beers deep and be like, I didn't <laughs> do any planks today. Uh, time to do planks. Oh, um, yuck. But there's that, and I, you know, I try to, um, like, I I just love running so much, and I hate everything else that involves being fit. Hey, that, that's me. That's so exactly the yeah. problem I have uh, right now. Someday I'm going to start stretching, too. I'm getting to that point where it's going to be a thing as I get old. Um, next year, I, you know, muddy sneaker has to happen again, I guess. Um, that's going to be a big part of the winter is training for that, uh, hopefully getting some really good snowshoeing in. Um, breakneck is the same day as muddy sneaker which i'm terribly bummed about i really wanted to do that one too uh yep but having to go back and do sneaker again is going to be critical uh the um Cayuga, i guess we're both going to do that there you go that's goal race number one i suppose for for 2016 is Cayuga, uh which i'm excited about i really enjoyed it the first time i enjoyed it equally the second time as a crew person um you know i think it's one of the better races i've been to uh ian does a great job with with all of his races um uh, probably go do water gap again uh so you had you had mentioned something about kind of being bummed that you missed out on twisted branch a little yeah, bit yeah yeah that was the thing uh kind of but then i think about watching you guys do that shit all day and i'm less bummed about it i'm like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> uh but there, you know, I'd, I'm I'm bummed about it because I it would have been a good way, but I wasn't in shape, and it would be stupid of me to pretend that I was in shape to do a good job that day. It was awesome to watch Scotty and and Jamie both just have awesome days, and uh, Dobbin had another really good day. Uh, you know, considering how much racing he's done this year and how much training has been just race, recover, 
taper race recover taper and there's never been and it's just an incredible year that he's put together uh using a strategy that is completely not optimal for training at a high level and is produced at a high level um it's been awesome to watch uh so that was and you know being with laura for the last you know six hours or whatever of that and you know essentially being around you guys too because we're all kind of clustered together so yeah perfect day to not be racing that and next year might be fun to race hopefully western states would be a thing you got what a point zero four percent chance of getting into that shit hey but you know i mean i won a car and a raffle once and i always think that if i can win an automobile and a perfect attendance raffle in high school when i don't think i had great attendance then i think that just you know submitting a your high school gives away cars they they might still uh they they raffle off to the the auto shop fixes them through the year and then every every month you have perfect attendance they like throw your name into this bucket wow and then at the end of the year they raffle off cars to two people wow yeah and i won one of them so that's just like going to western states i think except it's not it was like a crown vic except for you blew your wad there cop like, car there goes your lot <laughs> yeah I, that's like all of my my lotto raffle luck you should have knew that you're life. gonna need that later. fucked it up um <laughs> Yeah, but I tried to write my way into to Western States too through the Strava thing. I mm-hmm. Submitted an entry there. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it gets read. I would imagine I'm one of two billion people that were like, "Yo, I want to do this." Uh, well, no, because you got to one have the qualifiers. You have to have the tickets, and you have to be motivated enough to write. Yeah. So that does put you in a slightly smaller population. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and you have to have the credentials. I think like the what they were asking for kind of lined up with the way that the year went for me. Uh, you yeah, know, you working. have to be able to register for what you know. You yeah. have to have your qualifiers. And, and they wanted stuff. to like hear like, what do you do that contributes to running? And they're like, do you work in a running store? Fuck, what do you know? I do. Uh, yeah. Do you do you give back to the community? What do you know? You do. I do. I try. Yeah. Um, do the best that I can. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Western States obviously would be like everybody's dream come true. Um, so it would be a, a race that would I, I would gladly let disrupt every other race on the calendar. It comes like, right around Cayuga time. Yeah. I could use Cayuga as like a training race for it, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. we have talked about you don't run 50 milers to train for to 100 train. miles. This but this one's a little different. It's a dog party. Dog party. Um, yeah, hopefully. Okay, they're still back there. Uh, yeah, so that would be um, my 100 miler next year, which I guess isn't the easiest 100 miler to bite off as your easy 100 miler to, uh, to run fast at. Nope. Downhill course, you know? <laughs> Net downhill. Net downhill. Uh, um, there's a river crossing, though. There's a river crossing. I'm good at those. I, <laughs> you practiced. I, I practiced twice this year. Uh, twice this year? Well, Burning River. Oh, yeah, Burning River had some There was water. about 40 of them in my feet where they mm-hmm. showed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm really, like, I'm just... Uh, also, there's these, like, recurring themes that come up through the years. Just a year of being, like... Um, Way more grateful, I think. I mean, the last two years, three years of running were really shitty for me. 2012 was really good, but it was this 
like I've said before on here, this like really isolated, um, lonely sport for me. Uh, I was, you know, I didn't really know anyone. I just ran because it felt right. Um, then 13 could have been good, but it was bad. Uh, 14 did not really go well at all. It was actually really shitty. Um, and there was a lot of factors going into that. Uh, and this year is like, it was, you know, all year I was just really grateful to like have, um, a, a good group of people kind of assembled around me with, with you and Laura, Matt, uh, Jeff, Jamie, Dobbin and Natalie. And, um, just to be like, you know, I've always got uh, some meaningful component of this this activity or sport to, to surround myself with. And just, I've been like immersed in, in awesome vibes from it. And it's uh, sappy and stupid, but I'm very fucking thankful for it. Uh, but, you know, 2015, shit. It's real. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. It's yeah, we're, we're it done. Was. We're almost done now. But yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any like questions or anything to no to I'd, add. I think I'm content with. Think you think you did pretty good. And, uh, I'm trying to think real quick if I'd left anything out of what I wanted to say about. Yeah, I think I got it. I think we're I think we're good. I, I think people know by now you'll have a, you'll have another chance on the I'll, podcast I'll to another, get that. Yeah, out. Another, what is this like number five? I I I don't know. Like I said, the harder part about doing these now is like in my head I have to think: Have I said this before? <laughs> and like, do I have to? You're gonna you're gonna be that uncle that always repeats yeah, your stories. Exactly. Be like, oh, Weldon's on the podcast over, talking yeah. about his feet in Burning River yeah. again. Talking yeah. about swimming at Mudslog like he's the only one that did it. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I was the only one that didn't know. <laughs> You're the only one that drowned and was resurrected. I, I did I, spend I, like the last four miles of that race thinking that what if I'm the only person that was dumb enough to do that and everybody else knew something that I didn't know. I just like took, because I think it took me longer to come out of my coma and clear the water than it would have taken to do the penalty loop i give you i give you huge props like i that just turned me right off of that race and you wanted that troy victory pretty bad man you you wanted that wegman's gift card brother's gotta eat (laughs) got a merrill gift card it was awesome i just gotta i'm gonna get some like cowboy boots i think (laughs) that's why i gotta like up my wardrobe a little bit um but yeah that was that the troy thing uh yeah, you you wanted it, and you went and got it. Mm-hmm. But All yeah, right. thanks for uh, yeah having me again, Uncle Uncle Weldy's podcast. That's right. <laughs> you know, I joke a lot about Mike picking on my planning, and you know, he often says that I plan too much, and you know. I should just kind of let go here and there, and and I'm always like, I gotta figure this all out. Um, but just just hearing that story about like you can let go finally once that catastrophe that you've been worried about actually happens, then you can let go and you're free to enjoy the experience instead of worrying about the catastrophe happening. I really need to think about that a little bit more. You know, I think I really need to look into that and 
um, maybe have a catastrophe or two happen and just sort of see that that's not the end of the world and move on. So maybe, maybe that's what you can take from all this. Like Mike said, like just be free to let go when, when the disaster happens. That's, that, that's how you run a sub seven hour, 50 miler, I guess. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, different strokes for different folks, as they say. So, um, thanks for listening and thanks for sharing with your friends. I guess, I guess the word is out. This podcast really isn't a secret anymore. So thank you all for doing your due diligence in, uh, sharing this show with everyone. It's pretty awesome. Um, so go check out the website, check out the Facebook page. If you haven't done that, we're getting a little bit more active out there. And also a shout out to this month's uh, new Patreon supporters, uh, Mr. Ron Hirkins, uh, Mr. Mike Mertzak, and Anonymous. Well, not, not that Anonymous, you know, that, that Anonymous, just an Anonymous. But thank you all very much for investing in the podcast. We're moving up in the world. We got ourselves a soundboard. We got all sorts of new fun toys thanks to your support. So keep on keeping on. I really appreciate it. And with that, be thankful for what you've been given. Be proud of what you've achieved and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.